Wolverine. Wolverine. It's the penultimate episode. Before 10 of Swords starts, it's time for the Examination Podcast. Let's do this thing. My name's Quentin Embler, and I'm joined this week by Dane Rainier. Hello. And Kelsey Struts. What's up? Guys, I am pumped to get into some Tennis Swords goodness. Hopefully uh, next week is truly inspiring, but we had some issues this week that we got to dive through first before we can get into that stuff. But first, let's hook up to the uh, Cerebro and check out what's new in the world of Marvel. Uh, New Mutants has a new roster. That's a whole lot of new. Um, They're bringing back the original artist, uh, Reese, and they're kind of relaunching with a different writer. What do you guys think about this new lineup that includes... uh, it has Warpath. Um, it has Honey Badger. I guess her name's Scout now or whatever. Correct. But um, whatever. Yeah, or or whatever. What do you guys think of these additions to like Wolfbane and Magic and some of the classic X Men? Um, War- Warpath isn't Warpath a classic X Men basically? How do you mean? Is it which, which one's Warpath? Warpath is the Native American that is Thunderbird who died. Um, he was on that new roster. His brother died. So You're Warpath thinking, yeah, but, the younger brother. Okay, but Warpath's still been around a while, right? Yes. Uh, he's pretty iconic as an X-Force member. Right, uh, yeah. Okay. So he I, also was a new mutant a long time ago, like during uh, the early cable 90s days. Okay, exactly. So what's new about him? Well, new to this lineup. And I'm not, I, I didn't know Tyron Matthew was on the team, but it fits. Thank you. You're welcome. It does, that fits. Yeah, why not? I'll be interested to see uh, your honey badger joke scout on a team in a book kind of away from X-23 slash Wolverine. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. There are some members of the team that I guess I'm not. Well, actually, no, I'm looking at it's really just Wolfsbane that I don't care too much about. But otherwise, wow. it's kind of an interesting. I I don't think I like this Scottish, you know, anti-Scottish bigotry. <laughs> I just it's just not a character that's ever really excited me or interested me. I will be. Yeah, you probably didn't like X Men Twelve whenever uh, Banshee showed up. I get it. Thank you. Not Thanks for spoiling that big reveal later, Quentin. That is kind of true. Is Banshee's not really a character I care all that much about? Maybe I am revealing something. I believe. Is Banshee Scottish? I thought he was Irish. He's Irish. Maybe that's, same thing. That's, oh my gosh! Wow! <laughs> All of this. I'm just. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. I, I will say though, I am interested to see what's going on. I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, with uh, Warlock on the team and what that means. Wait, did you say Warlock is on the team? Yeah. Uh, not Warlock. Cypher. Not space. So space Warlock. What do you mean, Space Warlock? No, not Adam Warlock, but like the... Oh, I was going to say, it's the like they have Warlock. a top tier... The Turknerk. The Turknerk is on it? Uh-oh, well, I think that's going to show up later. Maybe we'll find out after Ten of Swords. Is this this also appears, especially by the cover art, to be a kind of... I'm sort of assuming, just for the way they've been pushing her, a magic-led team. Yeah, well, she's kind of been leading those teams anyways. Right. And she's clear. I mean, she's gotten as much. Page she's time. the highest. Well, she's the highest ranking um, mutant on the team. Oh, that is true. She's the only one with any official position. And like I said, they've just been pushing her nonstop. Oh yeah, 
She's she really is the new Wolverine. Or she just shows up in every book. Don't go there. I mean, this hasn't been persisting for 40 years yet, but. All right, all right, all right. I said the new one. But yeah, no, otherwise, it's, it is an interesting team. I wonder what that means that if this will be a core team that sticks around for a majority of the book, or if they swap out rosters or do what they've been doing, where they kind of focus on different storylines and stuff. And if this is the core team, what does that mean? for all these other characters are they just going to kind of disappear into the wayside are we going to see them as side characters are we going to get even more x books yeah only time will tell um yeah so excited about this new new mutants roster anytime i see magic right now uh i'm I'm in that book so that one's for me let's talk some mcu news uh what about Jonathan Majors. Don't know if anybody's been watching Lovecraft Lovecraft Country. It is on my to-do list, but I had other things I had to finish up programming-wise that I didn't want to be like one of those people who starts a bunch of programs and then finishes none of them. But it is, uh, I plan to because I really like Lovecraft-inspired horror, and I haven't read the book I've heard good things, but uh, yes, I, I do. I am familiar with the individual you're talking about. So Jonathan Majors, stand out from the show, um, lands an MCU role in Ant-Man 3, supposedly. Uh, theory, the theories out there, the wild speculation is that he will be playing Kang the Conqueror. What are you guys' thoughts on that casting and that character choice for Ant-Man 3? Um. Kang the Conqueror would be cool only because you could also you could push him into a more Avengers oriented villain as well. You could do a lot with that character and it would be kind of nice to introduce him through Ant-Man as opposed to the major groups. Uh, Another possibility is though like Super Adaptoid if you want to sell just with silly kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Super Adaptoid recently featured in the Avengers game. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. It's kind of like a Loki style. It seems like Kang should be a big Avengers level villain. So they might Loki him and have him be introduced here, but face somewhere else. I could also see them leaning into the jokey element of it. I hope that's not the case. Cause I'm with Kelsey. I think Kang, uh, my hope after the Thanos era was that Kang was the next big villain i mean mean, you could say kang could really live as a villain for avengers it's again a deep cut that nobody but the three of us probably get but um i i hope because i think he has the potential to be such a high level threat for a team like the avengers especially now with you know missing some of the experience that the avengers had and my own personal bias in the situation is I love the Young Avengers. Kang is the uh, the villain introducing that team. And it seems like finally we are actually going to get there. It seems too obvious not to at this point that Cassie Lang has been in the Ant-Man movies. Uh, clearly, Kate Bishop is in the new uh, upcoming and Hawkeye show. her up with yes. the five-year jump. I, it, exactly. As soon as they showed her after the five-year jump, I was just like, yes. Like, I was unreasonably happy for the end of that movie for the wrong reasons. But then also, it seems like Wiccan and Speed will probably be a part of WandaVision as well. Well, here's to hoping you get your your dreams. I personally hope they go full um, 
pull Iron Man three and and make him a joke. <laughs> Is that really what you want? Or are you just saying that? I kind of want him to be like a joke. Like I kind of want Ant Man three to go bonkers high. Like no. there's like a weird. I want like a weird um, invasion of little people. Like Kang and them are like in the time stream, so they're cosmically powerful, but they're also just like tiny little people from the. Here's <laughs> the here's all, here's the benefit of it being Kang though. If it's Kang, and let's say they do joke it up, doesn't matter. You can always do more Kang because he's a time travel with multiple iterations of himself in yeah, the time Mortis and So that you is, can that is true. You, you can be like, yeah, here comes hell. Your ending of. Ant-Man 3 could be another Kang showing up and killing Kang. Yeah, that Kang can be the joke and still return as the the infinite bad guy. Kang opens the door for that great Uncanny Avengers run as well with the Apocalypse Twins. So that could be cool. Feels like there's maybe a lot of groundwork to get to before an Apocalypse Twins story. But I'm not saying we don't get there, but that's a, that's a lot of threads. And I don't think we even got the fabric out yet. Well, I mean, to be fair, they could be like Thanos's children plucked out of time, trained to. No, to it needs it needs to be exact, and it needs to be a word for word translation. Well, not word for word, because obviously we need uh, it matters not from Thor, and I know it's not actually the line. <laughs> All right, um, last piece of news we got here. We'll hop back to the comics real quick. Uh, still staying in the Marvel. Uh, broader spectrum Eternals 2 I just want to talk about this for a second because this is a book they're pushing really hard uh, Eternals movie set to be released sometime soon I guess that's a weird thing we in our world today but uh, they're really trying to get you to read this book and it they're setting up for Thanos to be the first big Eternals villain Th- does a villain like this make a book you otherwise wouldn't read attractive to you or do you think they what, what would get you to read this new eternal series is there anything mm, i don't know what it would be you know but tell Thanos, me Thanos tell isn't me. it you know what no i'm tired of thanos is a bad guy put phantom x in it i'll read that I, i'm tired of thanos is the bad guy i'm tired of the infinity stones showing up and believe me i love thanos and i love the infinity stones i just I mean, how much? How many times can can you throw them there? It seems an odd decision. Well, the time stone as much as you want, but it seems yeah, an true. odd decision that because I get the idea is maybe you want to draw people like just general MCU fans. If you're like, hey, this is something that's coming out, maybe check out a comic or two. It's going to be kind of weird if the first introduction to that is now the villain that we just had. And how how old are these supposed to be? How old are is what? The Eternals. Like when they fall, what, what, what kind of time period are we looking at? I don't know, but I know that um, Eternals and Deviants are like the same thing. And like Thanos, I think like him and the main Eternal uh, are like brothers or something, if I remember correctly. Because yeah, Thanos all, is what's called other, a Deviant. Yeah, all the and, other Eternals are beautiful. Yeah. Hence well, Anthony Jolie and... and that one guy, uh, Jack and Camille and Johnny. Thank you, Camille you know where I was going. and Johnny. Yeah, Jack, no, Jack, Jack and Camille and Johnny. Yeah, not not, just, not regular him. Jeez, no, yeah, Jack, come on. You can't, have a, you can't have a wrinkled chin. Yeah, <laughs> body shaming me. 
That's why Quentin grows that beard to cover his wrinkled deviant chin. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a scrotum on my face. What do you want? Thank you. Really, I just thought we'd leave you at a cliffside so, to die. So from Thanos closer. won't get you in here. Dane says Phantom X will. Is there anything Eternals related? Like, is is word of mouth going to be the only thing that really gets you into this book? It would have to come with an extreme recommendation from. I was about to say from yeah. somebody that I trust in comics, and that's basically just you, Quentin. <laughs> if yeah. you said you have to read this. I'd probably give it a shot. I mean, if I, if I told you that Thor says it matters not, right, you would read right. it. But other than that, <laughs> you got me to read uh, what's the Green Lantern story that's not really a Green Lantern story? Oh, uh, Omega Men. Omega Men. I read that, Omega-Man. and there was nothing that would have got me to pick that up at any point. I never would have thought of it, never would have touched it. You said it's fantastic, it's a must read. I read it. That's about you. That's about, hold I think, on, the hold one. On, hold, on. On. hold on. Hold on. Was it good? Yeah, it was very good. Okay, I was making sure because you never said that. You just goes that got me to read it. You didn't say it was great. I'm glad I read it. So very I just good. wanted to shoot a drop, and you'd go, "It sucks." So I have to really think about how I feel about the opinion. Ex- excellent recommendation. If we weren't an X Men slash also partially Marvel news podcast, I would recommend people go read DC. Very good. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, that pretty much wraps up our news for the day, but we want to get into the Crucible. We're real excited about the X Trader that has been hinted at in Ten of Swords. There's lots of suspects, but it appears there's going to be at least one trader coming out of Ten of Swords. Where's your guys' money at? Who's who's going to betray? Okay, uh, a, a trader to Krakoa for the government will be Mystique. I think she is the one kind of behind what's but going on. Is she on the one in Ten of Swords betraying them? Yes, but I think at the very end, there's a second traitor that will lead back to Hawksbox and its cipher. Ooh. Okay. Okay. And That's I think because the Techno Organ, well, I can't really talk about it until we've gone over the comics. <laughs> I know but what you're talking about. But. There, there's a reason coming from the comics from this week. That makes me think that he is linking back to the powers of ten storyline of of that that sudden surge of like technological um, change in people, things like that. We also know that I mean he kind of has that uh, a special connection to the island in his ability to communicate. And I think you remember that scene a while back where Cypher's sitting in the chair, and I think it's Cyclops, is it, that turns and looks at him and yeah. briefly sees Cypher and Warlock in like chairs facing each other with like a fate, a Krakoan face, and yes. like a rock arrangement. And, and when he looks back, it's not there. Here's the other thing, too. Like you said, the New Mutants has Warlock. Yes. Standalone but it, Warlock. But it doesn't look like Cypher. Exactly. So, well, and there is a cover of New Mutants where Cipher and Magic are dueling, and it almost looks like a jokey thing. We should be fair. Covers mean nothing. I mean, how many how many X Force covers had like Colossus on it? Yeah, but he's not there. The choice to show Cipher and Magic fighting. You know what I mean? It's not like they just put anything. You know, they just like threw dupe on the cover. They made a choice to put two 
They the did. Two of them fighting. So I, Kelsey, that's Kelsey, really I agree. Good. I'm not use, I in isolation. The cover means nothing. But as far as theory crafting here with the evidence you've shown before, I think it could be used as a piece. I agree that he will be the overall trader, but I think his betrayal will not be like 10 of swords related in that regard. Like, I don't think his betrayal has a big outcome in 10 of swords. I think it's going to lead to something else. So we've got Cypher on the board. We've got Mystique. Dane, anybody you're looking at? Chelsea, man, you burnt this thing down because I was going to go Mystique, and I thought that was pretty good, linking back to, like, X-Men 6. It's just been so long. She basically said she's going to burn the thing down. I know. We've, we've all sort Are of forgotten. Are we really going to act like Mystique is our secret ace in the whole theory crafting pick? But don't, but, don't have but who are the other? I feel like all of the other, like, options or, like, clear potentials have sort of been laid out for us, right? Mystique, I think, is up there. Obviously, they've thrown, like, Omega Red and Colossus into the fold in the last a couple but, but, issues. But Omega is, Red I have a theory. A traitor. I, you know, maybe I mean, Beast, um, Beast has kind of seems like he may be doing some less than good guy things and underappreciated. Uh, but I, my gosh, I love Kelsey's cipher theory. I think the traitor is none other than Storm. Okay. What's I think they've positioned her to be a uh, leader who is an underground leader that doesn't have any uh, position within the political structure of Kakoa, but she's a on the streets type of leader. And I think between her getting the virus and a few other experiences, like with uh, Kitty pride being killed during Marauders, I wonder if maybe she will not be as down with apocalypse and, and what's the choices that they're making. Oh, so you're, you're, you're going with her being a traitor to the political machine of Krakoa. Not like she's a bad guy, but she's basically saying, it's like, wait a minute, this isn't the vision. This is not the right and moral thing to do. We have lost our way. Okay. Okay. I think she's just in a position where she could do a lot of damage to what Magneto and Professor X are building. If they don't start doing things to support what her vision is. Do you think that she will be a traitor in the sense that she will take some underhanded and devious action in a flip, like a you know a WWE heel turn sort of thing, or do you think it's well, more of my, just? I think it could go heel because to me, what I see potentially is her sympathizing with the what is it, Arkakoa, Arkakoa. I can yeah, see her wow. sympathizing with the mutants there and okay. not Apocalypse, and I see Professor X and Magneto keeping their trinity alive above all else. Okay. So that that's just one theory I have. That's a bold one. I like it. I like it. I like that theory. Although I will say giant size storm kind of let me down. It didn't have the, we'll talk more about that issue. You guys ready to jump in the, this week's Let's issues? Let's do it. Sounds like a good segue. So giant size storm number one, the final and fifth giant size issue we get focuses on Storm and the original artist from Giant Size, Jean Grey and Emma Frost, uh, right or illustrates this book. Uh, a team consisting of Manet, Cipher, Storm, Phantom X, and then a random aim mercenary enter the world 
and use a high-tech lab to cure a storm of her technological infection. You'll remember the world is where Phantom X's issue took place. The team is successful in healing her, and Storm is restored, bringing an end to the story arc that started in Giant Size Number 1. Of note, Warlock can cover Cypher in a full suit of armor, and Phantom X and the A Mercenary both decide to stay behind in the world with Phantom X's brother. Uh, overall, I like this issue. What did you guys think? Loved it. Yeah, um, it's so far my favorite giant size other than Phantom X. I like Phantom X more. Um, one issue I had with this was, I'm sorry, Emma Frost is completely correct at the beginning of this. She's like, I don't know why we're going through this trouble. Let's just kill her and resurrect her without the virus. Because and here's why. Here's why she puts the rest of the team in danger. Although technically speaking, I guess not real danger as they can be resurrected, but still you're going to go take them all out to be killed just so you can be helped. I'm like, mm. I mean, it, it, granted it's too easy to just kill her and bring it back. I, I, it, it does throw in that weird, you know, soul thing. And she may, you know, storm makes a good point where she's like, you know, the point of life is to live. I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, going to just surrender myself anytime something gets hard to like do a restart. So uh, I, I liked it. It's my second favorite close up with the Phantom X one, just cause they tie in together. It's, it's really fun. Dane, you got different feelings? No, I I'm, I'm with Kelsey on almost everything he said, because I like this book. It's I, I like the character selection, obviously Phantom X. I, I'm biased towards that, but it, it was funny in the points that it needed to be funny. There's good action. I thought the art was great, and especially some of the uh, the fusion of art and lettering was really good for some of the effects in the book. Uh, the one thing that I didn't like about it, the one note that I made is exactly what Kelsey said, is that they try and add this moment of drama that surrounds it about life. And I don't know, it just it feel, it falls a little flat to me that it just still doesn't make sense when it seems like they're trying to create this job drama around life and death, because in some ways they have to now that that, you know, the piece of resurrection is there for the X-Men, but it just, yeah. it doesn't ring for me. I still don't get it. It still felt like Emma Frost was right. Like, yeah. At the end, even after the big speech and the great battle and the artwork and everything going into it, I'm still just like, I, I still agree with what Emma yeah, said. Yeah. At the the end, Emma Frost is flippantly correct. Cause now you have left Phantom X in there and an aim scientist who work on right. God knows what in this, but it's, it's know. funny, you know, that aim agent Ned is just sitting on the couch, drinking wine, waiting to be flipped. It's but he's funny. A professional. Right. He's it's a Oh, hundred percent. It's, it's funny that Phantom X can't pay him. He doesn't have the money. You know what I mean? So there's there's humor in it. It and I loved. It was a good issue on its own, but it also pulled from what came before and gave us a coherent story, which sometimes we wait too long for. So it was nice to have that. But it also set up for big stuff too. That I like the team that gets left there. That Ultimaton, Phantom X, and uh, Ned are still there. And I like knowing that we're going to come back, that they gave us that little moment with Cypher and the techno organic virus that's now sentient that was extracted from Storm. Yes. Yeah, the sentient techno organic virus, which is linked to Warlock, a technarch, 
which is linked to which is linked to world minds and the phalanx, which is linked to powers of 10. Phantom X is all in the middle of it. I couldn't be happier because I think, I don't think he's gone for forever. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and like, I, I agree with everything you just said. I do think it was kind of underwhelming for a story that focuses on storm. Yeah, underwhelming for a story focusing on Storm. In my head, I chose to look at this as giant size Phantom X number two, and so maybe that's maybe that's why I don't have any problem with it. It it works in the sense of like it being a Dawn of X book. I didn't feel like it worked as a showcase of Storm. I also think, although I loved um, loved the issue, loved the Phantom X issue, and enjoyed the first issue enough, it kind of points out. um, It just felt like this. These issues, I couldn't tell if they were trying to be one-shots or not. And it really detracted from Magneto and Nightcrawler. And specifically, the Nightcrawler issue just feels bad now. Because yeah, there's nothing there. You're, you're right. It's almost that the rest of them have made that one look worse in retrospect. Yeah, because we kind of talked a little bit about how some books... We, we had a conversation earlier in the week, Dane, where we talked about how like um, the fear itself... X-Men tie-in where Colossus was juggernaut for a while really worked because it had long-term ramifications. And I'll say like going from Jean Grey um, and Emma Frost to Phantom X to now Storm, there was a long-term effect where these didn't feel like one shots and they had value outside of that. And there's also teases about what could come next. Whereas those other issues, I just don't feel anything for. Yeah, like yeah. like I said, that's yeah. the biggest thing I took away from this one, even if it's not really a Storm book, is that it was a good issue standalone. It it built upon what came before it, and it's set up for the future. And if it's a moderately good story with all those things, that you're going to walk out of a, a well above average comic. You know, here, here's an idea, too. With the, you've got the techno-organic virus now sentient on its own in there in a condensed world that time moves fast basically around them they, they can run experiments etc cetera, etc cetera. you've got a human aim you've got phantom x's brother whatever and phantom x in there who's to say that the the kickstart to make a nimrod shell all that kind of stuff is not in there like eventually the world gets cracked it also over. feels a lot like the it seems like there could be some weird time travel stuff with like what X-23 and them are doing too. Like, Which yeah. they have not gotten into that in a while too. That's another one that's missing. I was going to say though, Quentin, do you know who Ultimaton is? I do not. Okay, so he we saw that it, it looks like it's probably the other clone version of Phantom X that got experimented on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you remember back to uh, Reminder's X-Force, when he leaves um, Kid Apocalypse, Genesis, in the world to, like, grow up, yeah. Ultimaton is the, like, robot that he leaves him with to protect him. That's, like, the big the villain of the world. But that once Phantom yeah. X kind of takes control of it, that he leaves uh, Genesis there with. Huh. So I'll have it, to revisit those. Yeah, that was kind of the reveal recently, is that it's Phantom X is like, I guess, clone or clone brother or whatever it is. But he's well, I mean, wep- they're all clones. I guess it's true. He's what weapon fifteen. 
So, strong issue overall. Transitioning now, let's talk Excalibur number 12. So, Excalibur number 12, Apocalypse gathers the externals, accounts <laughs> of High Lord Mutants, as he monologues about their shared life force, eventually revealing to them that they are no longer as important as they think, as mutants possess their coveted resurrection. Then, Apocalypse do what Apocalypse do, and sacrifices or betrays and sacrifices them in the name of evolution to power the Otherworld Gate Crystals. Back in Otherworld, it is revealed that Gambit is dealing with the Chandra Lifestone and being haunted by her life essence and spirit contained within. Lady Saturnine reveals the alternative reality Captain Britain's to Captain Britain before Gambit tosses the Chandra Lifestone uh, through the gate to Apocalypse to allow him to finish his ritual. Yeah, so this issue, um, I think you mispronounce Ah, yes, your mutant tongue. Yeah, your mutant tongue is quite poor, but I got it. Um, uh, This one looked good. Like, when Richter was on there and Apocalypse being Apocalypse, like, that's when I feel like this book works the best a little bit. And then it didn't. That's that's the nicest thing I could say. You're right. Because I think the beginning when I started reading the whole, because the whole first half, it's like 15, 20 pages of Apocalypse talking to the the Council of Externals. There are moments that shine where it's like, this is what I want Apocalypse to be, right? That he has, he always has a grand plan. He's pushing in the direction of evolution. Like this is on brand for Apocalypse, but I think it's done in about four times more pages than it needs to. It's with a cast of characters that I just don't care that he's betraying because I don't really care or know much about any of these people. And then Mm -hmm. the other most interesting part of this book that I hoped was the kind of thing that would carry on was that his plan was thwarted and like the Chandra Lifestone Gambit has it and it's kind of like being haunted by her ghost. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting Like that this is happening, that he's willing to lie to his wife, Rogue, about what's going on. And I'm like, I can get behind this. And then I flip the next page and he's like, nope. And he chucks the stone through the portal. And I'm like, oh, like the thing that should take issues to get through and have fun with is gone in three pages. And the thing that should be like two pages of Apocalypse Betrayal was half the book. And then I'm like, yeah. I don't know what happened. Did he just sacrifice four people just to open this gate? Yes. It appears so. It and appears so. It makes a little more sense as we get into some other books. We'll get to that, you know, in X-Men 12. But it's just, there were there were parts of this that should have been better. Uh, let's go into the Captain Britons that uh, Saturnine brought through. And then apparently put in tubes. Crystal tubes. Crystal tubes. Because she was just like, I read the issue. Like, she brings them through. And this is a big deal. We're, I'm getting ready. I'm like, okay, she's got a, a Britain core that's going to just mess up Excalibur when they show up. Instead, no, they're not there. What happened to them? Oh, I put them in these crystals because I did. She just uses them I mean, as kind of like an empty thread. She's like, I don't no need them. Like she's like, oh, there were mutants in these worlds? I, I mean, she doesn't really expound on it. It kind of has a feel of like Smallville, where they like have these big, grandiose plans with Excalibur, but they don't have the budget to do them. And it's like, 
That's how I feel like this no, book constantly is. It's like, oh, this is going to get good, but you know, we got commercial breaks. We don't have enough time to really no. flesh out things. No. It's a little silly. No. The comic. No. They, they, they draw pictures. And in between Charles Atlas, uh, you know, kicking sand on the beach ads, I think they can squeeze in a little bit more. Oh, I, I'm not saying they should do better. I'm saying it just feels like it. Okay. It's just, it is weird because I also now at this point don't know. It's like Lady Saturn's not really, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It doesn't well, even really appear to be a villain. Is she going to kill Gambit? Because he just took something. She, she, he stole stuff and then threw it through a portal for Apocalypse. He's still there. I also don't know that like I understand Gambit's reasoning behind that decision. You know what I mean? That oh, he, was that like, was- well, he was like, I don't like Apocalypse. But I well, also guess I don't like you, so whatever. If I, if I recall, in the comics, he, for a while, is deeply under Chandra's spell, basically. I mean, he is really linked to her. Hardcore. Like, he's, he's a big part of his childhood. And how much more interesting is it if Gambit's haunted by this ghost for more issues, and Apocalypse needs to, like, carry out this plan? Because then it's like, Okay, is Apocalypse gonna go find this lifestone, or is Apocalypse gonna start secretly plotting to kill one of the other four in order guys, to power the gate? Guys, if one of the main men of this series were under the spell of an evil woman and the book was good, it'd be called Hellions. Hellions, uh, I I like this issue, but it starts as Madeline Pryor begins a demonic ritual. Um, and as she's doing that, Psylocke and Wildchild rescue the rest of the Hellions, Sans, the dead empath, and the enthralled Havoc. While they escape the cloning lab, Grey Crow stays behind and takes out the imperfect clones of his former Marauder teammates, as well as slaying Madeline Pryor. Uh, Pryor dies in Havoc's arms, and she says she doesn't want to be forgotten as she dies. Uh, after returning the Krakoa with the mission successful and the lab destroyed, Havoc sympathizes with his former captor and lover, and Nanny calls out Mr. Sinister for his inhumane treatments of the rejected clones. Overall, I thought a solid issue. Uh, how'd you guys feel about this issue? Uh, I thought this was cool. It was, it was a little more on point. Um, I like the resol- uh, resolving the Madeline Pryor thing uh, this quickly that they were able to just. Yeah, it's a nice four issue arc. She's yes. not, yeah, she's not the main villain. She was just like the villain of the day for those that arc. The main issue is the effect that she has on Havoc. Like yeah. that, that, that is the main story because that's what is going to carry on throughout is, is the effect that has. she wants to be remembered. She's her own person. She existed, right? Everyone else is like, well, she was just a clone of Jean Grey. She really didn't exist. She had no personality. She was just an evil clone. And I'll, I'll agree that this probably isn't in the top half of books. I, I'm starting to come down on a little more, but it, it really is sad because like you want to compare with Excalibur and you just look at like how they wrap up a story and you can tell it's over, but then there's still long-term effects that go into the next arc. Like it just seems like this is kind of executed a little better. It's I don't know if that's structured. It's, it's better structured. I like the art a lot. Um, Gray Crow, I've enjoyed his kind of idea. Like, like, okay, I got my original comrades out. They're going to be resurrected. But after that, I I got nothing to do with it. I don't care. It's like, I did my part. I helped them out, but I'm, I'm doing my thing. Like I, I, the four first four issues kind of did a good job of bringing the team together other than empath. Um, 
you know, creating a team. Like, like but okay, that's Wild funny. Child, that still works for me. And Wildchild is finally under tow. You know, he's, he's like, okay, he has an alpha. That's who he follows. Boom, done. Nanny and Peter kind of have their thing going. And Nanny is, you know, she shows like she's a crazy person or thing or whatever. <laughs> she really cares about kids to the point that she's like, oh, these, these are just clone babies. You know what? I'm going to kill Mr. Sinister over this. Because they're still babies, and I don't like him for this. Like, you know, it's kind of like those people are really passionate about animals to the point where they're vegan. Like, that's what she is, except for for children. So it's like he he really fucked up bad. Like he's still eating children, and she's stopped eating children like altogether. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> that's exactly the analogy. No, so here's the thing. This was a good issue. Hellions, I've been a little down on because it's just been a little weird. Like, I don't know what was going on. It was trying really hard to be edgy. Yeah. And I didn't even, I, at that point it wasn't for me. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I didn't know what was going on because part of it, I think was, I'd mentioned before, I wasn't as uh, enthralled or didn't have as in depth, the knowledge of Madeline Pryor and her relationship with the Summers brothers. And so I think that kind of gated me out a little bit. And for, with that, with the weird stuff kind of made it difficult, but this is a classic, more traditional wrap-up of a comic arc. And that, I think, putting that, putting some part of normalcy or regularity at the end of this kind of wrapped it up. And maybe it was a little too much bow on it. I don't know. But I enjoyed it because it gave me something that I'm familiar with as a juxtaposed with the weirdness of this book. And if that's what it is, fine. That's what it is. But it was nice, like you mentioned, it, it made that moment with wild child and Psylocke seem important because it, it's seems like it's going to be a dynamic that moves forward. Um, and if I don't know a whole lot about Madeline Pryor and havoc, it, it doesn't seem to matter that much to the, like that specific issue, but I know, you know, what brothers look like when they have something between them. And I know, you know, that emotion between, um, between Alex and Scott, and that comes across in what, kind of uh, Alex is going through with this and also the emotion of, of what, what is a life, you know, yeah. is, oh. is she not a life because she was a clone of a mutant. Does she not qualify as her own individual? Never, you know, never would have thought of that as part of the kind of the structured moral quandary of resurrection. Right. Is she, what does it take for a clone to be she, considered somebody? Uh, one of us. Right. Yeah. Somebody else. Um, I'll, I'll say this, guys, as well. I think I came out of these four issues more interested in every character than I started. Yep. So that's, I think the next arc they'll have they'll have a leg up from where they started. And that's I think that's a a strong thing to say that at the end of this, I care more about every character involved than I did when it started. That's impressive to do for a yeah. only four issues of a book that I honestly wasn't that high on prior to this kind of wrap up. So it kind of, you know, the, sort of the moral it's of the story. It's the other issues with yeah. this issue. The moral of the story better. is you just, you got to get to the end. I think sometimes of an arc to really understand what authors are going after and to, and to really give it a proper judgment. Yeah. Well, not all books were ends this week. One kind of seems like the beginning and that's 
X-Men number 12. Kelsey, what happened in X-Men number 12? X-Men number 12 is finally starting to answer some questions. Um, the summoner is in the middle of playing his game with rock slide, right? Rock slide, not landslide, rock, slide. rock slide. Anyways, he's interrupted by apocalypse, his grandfather who shoes off the children and decides he wants to talk to his grandson and explains to him. He has finally created the gate to other world, which also lets us know what he was doing why he was so concerned about putting this gate in other world because he vehemently wanted to do it. Anyways, he has now let him know I've created this gate, but I've trusted you because you are my grandson. I would like to know more. I want to know what happened after everyone plunged after Araco plunged into this abyss, this interdimensional abyss. It's not, they're not in other world, but I guess other worlds you can get there. Anyways. So the summoner recounts the story of his mother, uh, Genesis, which ties into kid, little apocalypse or kid apocalypse or whatever. Um, anyways, Genesis and the band of mutants of the original. Oh, What's the name of the main of the island together? Uh, Okana, uh, Okara. It's um, another anagram of the letters. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Arako's one. Okara, yeah, it is Okara. Um, it, but what happened to the mutants of Okara that fell through the island of uh, Arako into this pit? Basically, fighting these creatures, establishing their own civilization. Um and the history that goes along with it. Uh, eventually uh, this war or this, this conflict leads to them finding a, a sword or an individual called white sword purity, who was able to resurrect individuals um, who had been fighting the enemy when they go to confront him or, or to join him and help him. He does not recognize them as something other than enemies and war ensues then. Uh, the continued war, the return to the main city of the, uh, the Iraqo people, the Iraqians, I guess, I don't know, um, <laughs> sees uh, Genesis uh, treated as a traitor. Uh, she is brought to the god Annihilation, where she engages in one on one combat and loses, and then she is killed. Uh, then the great God annihilation starts to tear down their cities, their 10 towers. And in a last ditch effort, several groups are sent to find salvation. A small piece of Araco is sent through a dimensional rift with the summer on board to come find apocalypse for salvation. And then he knows nothing after that. And this is basically the chance for them to try and rally the troops to see what has happened. So in the end, Apocalypse sends Banshee, who I have been wondering about where he was because they, they hadn't brought him about uh, whether he was alive or dead. If they resurrected him. So obviously they've resurrected him and they have brought him and Unus the Untouchable. And they're sending uh, sending him with the summoner through the gate to go back to 
Okara or Rocco, whatever's left on the other side and see what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. dense. It's a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot happened in this issue. Um, it, it feels like a long time coming. Cause this really, you could have done this issue right after the summer showed up kind of, but you had to wait for Excalibur to get its stuff together. So in many ways, I'm curious to see what next week's uh, Ten of Swords creation is, because this feels like the prologue for Ten of Swords. Yeah, like it's it's going to be a little odd when the book, when Ten of Swords gets collected into a hardback, if this isn't at the beginning of it, because this kind of seems like what you need to know for any of this to make sense. Like this is the 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 beginning the pro well, I mean, they're talking about special magical swords in this one. Yep. I mean, Guys, the white, also, the white this is the Jersey. most Hickman book. Oh, yeah. Hickman, Hickman. This is Hickman. Like, this is a Hickman book. We've had we've had some X-Men books with Hick, Hickman in them. This was a Jonathan Hickman book that there happened to be X-Men. <laughs> yep, that title. is 100% right. <laughs> this Aliens. is... This is... This tells me more than anything that whatever this idea is, whatever Ten of Swords is, this was not something they got conjured up six months ago to do a crossover. This was laid out, I guarantee you, when Hickman gave the original pitch for Hoxpox, this yeah. was included in that. It might it's, have been an early idea, but there were el- there were pieces that were right. already... It was like- grandiose. We He knew we were getting to something resembling this. So... I hope it's not lost in the translation of working with the team. Um, this whole thing feels like he's a showrunner and that there's different directors doing episodes. And I worry that like, you know, writing comics isn't the same as directing an episode where you have a cast and crew that all are on the same page. So I'm hoping they, you know what I mean? Like that the the voice doesn't get lost. The purpose doesn't get lost in Ten of Swords. So, I want to ask, is there anything, because this was kind of just a big exposition storytelling of what, what's what been going on this whole time, where Summoner came from and everything. Is there anything that stands out to you guys as points of interest or potential kind of plot twists that you think? Uh, I'm wondering why the white sword of purity looks like Thanos. I've thought that. I, I think the, the things that stand out to me are, one, uh, the idea of questioning Apocalypse's retelling of the story where he originally uh, fought the demon invasion because yeah. now it kind of feels like maybe we're hearing one side of a story that has a lot more complicated. Um, another thing that stands out to me as far as theory crafting goes is I've always been on the lookout actually for Banshee. Now there's a reason for that. Banshee yeah, married Moira McTaggart. Banshee is very connected with Moira. So the fact that he is being, I'm always looking to see if there's something with him that's important because it seems odd that Moira would just marry him in her last life and like have connections with him. It's so funny. The different ways that you can look at Hickman because you've got like this, like the deep cut conspiracy theory of it being him. And in my head, I'm just like, 
I think there's a very real possibility Hickman doesn't even know she married Banshee and doesn't even care. Oh, I think you're completely right. But that <laughs> seems like a why use Moira? That's that's what drives me crazy. Like, why not use a character? Like, why not just make a human character? Because that doesn't get because that's not going to get you talked about when you're launching your new X. I just think it's so funny though that it's like either this is the biggest twist that we've gotten yet, or or Hickman just Hickman doesn't doesn't care. even know. Here's another question. Let's say, okay, let's say Hickman doesn't know that stuff. Hickman does know that he has written in there the Iraqo council of that city has a similar look to the Cohen one. Here's my question. Does the, the islands feed off of psychic power? Who's to say they don't also create some type of control over the individuals on that council? That it is Krakoa and Arako, who are mutants in their own way, but they are also influencing things. They give the pushes and the nudges and the decision-making. They're really the power there. It's basically an alternate dimension Krakoa that's been Mm -hmm. for hundreds of years. I I will say... The point of... And has a resurrection engine. Yep. Yes. It is a, I mean, a direct, like, corollary in the mirror. Just it's been there longer and they were plunged in in a less uh, graceful way. I will say the thing that I am interested in, I think the most that came out of this one is Iska, the mutant traitor. And we've been hinted at the traitor so much, but it's the mutant traitor of the Araco people whose mutant power is to never lose. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. You- the, the red chick, the chick. Uh, I think she invites Genesis. To that, uh, to parlay. Was that written in there? And I just completely yeah. yeah. Here's here's the text. Her all right. So Iska the traitor. Iska the unbeaten. Her oh, the power yeah. was that she could not lose. Right. It was her, but it says it was her power right. that forced her to join Amenth in the war against Okara. Understand? She had to. They were, they going, were going to win. To win. And she cannot lose. Cannot lose. So whether so, she wants or not, no, that has nothing to do with it. What does that mean? You know, the, it, because we have to remember this. This is a story of Summoner telling Apocalypse, and he says to him, "Understand, she had to. They were going like. What does that power mean? Well, and here's to say this. You know what happens? What if Iska joins them? Right. That's. I think she's she's an interesting plot piece. Moving forward in the whatever. So, what if the traitor isn't actually a Kakoan traitor? Then what if Iska's the traitor who comes to our side? <laughs> I don't know. But then, what if you have a, a mutant that, whose powers they always win and they come to our side? It kind of seems like it. Well, I don't know. The good guys can always win the end anyway. So, I don't know why that would spoil anything. God, annihilation? What? God of immense is called annihilation, correct? Correct. Here's a theory. What if what if Amenth is also a mutant? Apocalypse's brother or something, also they first mutant. Yeah, well, why not? Because of the Egyptian motif he's got. Yeah, and oh, I think I think Amenth is totally a mutant that's gonna stick around. Well, and uh Annihilation is clearly on the 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 team of the ten sword bearers, the villainous ten sword bearers, I guess. Correct. So I don't know, man. There is a lot going on, and I think we're just getting the tip of the iceberg 
and we're yeah. already getting this many cons- like ten of swords seems a little wild to me, and I wasn't super on board with it to begin with. I, I am much more on board now after the last couple of issues. I'm like, okay, let's yeah, see what this- you're gonna do. There's just like, so much going on. It's just so grandiose, Hickman. I'm like, all right, I'm sitting back, man. Hit me with the ride. You know what's funny? Yeah. I don't care about, like, they, they keep showing, like, Wolverine with swords and stuff. I'm like, I don't care. Don't care. It means nothing to me. I want to see the overarching story of it. It's like, it's like I want to see the big picture here. You don't have to show me the characters that everyone loves doing stuff. You gave me a big, wild adventure with Hoxpox. It's been a good year. You've bought enough goodwill that I'm willing to come in with a positive open mind on this. Let's Morgan can be your main character. I, I just, I don't I'll care. Ride. I'll ride with it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, that's all the recaps we have for you, but we still have a little bit of time left for the danger zone. You better shoot fast. I, got, I got it. Go rapid fire. It's the danger zone. That's a new one. All right, Kelsey, is this a character? Yes. Kelsey, is it a mutant? No. Is it a hero? Yes. Okay, Kelsey, is this a masculine character? Yes. Is this character associated with the X-Men? Yes. Hero could also be Juggernaut again because he's not <laughs> a hero. Not a and if there's anybody who would answer yes to him being a hero, it'd be Kelsey. Okay, um, it, has he been featured in a Don of X book? Define featured. Ha, has he been in a panel of a Don of X book? Yes. Does this person have powers? Yes. Hero has powers. Um, is this person associated with a governmental agency? Yes. Does this person use weapons? No. Um, by the way, is anyone keeping track of the... Yes, I am. Thank God. Governmental non-weapons. Okay, so government has been in the issue so far. Um, probably a man, very masculine. Were they in a? Were they featured in a Hickman written book? Were they? Were they I'm in X-Men. a Hickman written book? So giant size X Men or New Mutants? The issues that he's. Um. Written. Yes, I believe so. Yes. Ooh. That's a good one. What are you thinking, Q? I will double check. I was thinking Giant Size, the Phantom X issue, went on a tour through a lot of time periods. Okay. So like Dum Dum Dugan or somebody like that. Okay. Does the person appear in Giant Size? No. Okay, so that rolls that out. So now my mind goes to... Yes, to clarify, it is Hickman. He is in a Hickman... One of the Hickman okay. runs. Is in a Hickman book, not in Giant Size. Correct. Also rules out AIM Agent Ned. 
I I was thanking him. I was thanking him <laughs> earlier, but I was like, ah, uh, government. Okay. Would you consider what's your definition of masculine? Uh, I don't know. His name's Ned. That hurts. He's a scientist. He's basically a nerd. Um. So Kelsey, is it a human? No. Okay. So non-human has powers. Oh, is he one of the uh, Shi'ar, perhaps? Like gladiator or something? Is this person a member of the Shi'ar Empire? Yes. All right, that feels good. Is this person on the Imperial Guard? Why, yes. (laughs) Is this person's power tied to their confidence? It is. Do they have a sweet mohawk? They have the sweetest of mohawks. Kelsey, hmm. I think we, or Dane, I think we got stumped here. I don't, I don't know if we'll get this one. Gosh, only a few more questions. Lock in the gladiator. <laughs> yeah, is it gladiator? Yeah, you are correct. It is gladiator. Yeah, okay. I thought I had you guys right up until Quinn was like, maybe it's Shiar related. <laughs> I knew it went down that path. Quinn and did a very that, good job of whittling down. That was a very good question. The Hickman book. That's like that. The, uh, that, that I think what would change your train of thought because like, mm, yeah, okay, well, not we giant size. That was yeah. very Hickman much is a, a good question that just knocks out half the books. Like, it's a good. It's not quite the um, the guess who like are they a woman because that if you get that right, there's only like five. It is like the do they have glasses? You know what I mean? That, it, yeah, if you yeah, guess, yeah. Word, you got you're down to about a third, and we're in a good place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I wasn't sure. I, I thought you guys get a little stymied on, uh, like, yeah, powers, not mutant, featured in X Men. They're in something, but not, but not an X Men. But not an X. Well, you didn't ask that. Not human. Not mutant. <laughs> All right, that's about all the time we got for this week. Thank you so much for listening to Examination Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a listen. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Next week, season four, and it's the beginning of Ten of Swords. No, no. next week, giant size, juggernaut, number one. (laughs) Thank you for staying focused on the important things. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. All right, see you guys. Later. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the Examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at Examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N dot blogspot.com and at Examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, Help us grow the community by giving us an Omega-level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.